This dude can go up and make plays. I think he's going to be one of the best players on the team this year. I do like the fact that even if somebody gets hurt, you're never going to have a secondary unit out there where the quarterback looks at the Ravens' defense and says, oh, I'm going right here. Like, who do you throw to? Who are you trying to pick on if you're a quarterback playing the Ravens this year? I mean, there's no, like, weak link. He already is fitting that guy for a green jacket. Green jacket is going to win the Masters? Oh, wait. Gold jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome into the lounge. We are officially on summer break. Well, the players are. Right. What summer not. break? I don't feel like it's on summer break. We're sitting here in a freezing cold room taping a podcast. It's so cold that I did the old <laughs> tuck my arms into the t-shirt routine right now. So I can't really move. Yeah, I don't have my usual nimbleness. You look like a four-year-old. <laughs> this move never fails. <laughs> never fails. Uh, so anyway, we're here to break down uh, what we've seen from OTAs and minicamp. It's myself, Garrett, and... Clifton. Hello. Clifton How you guys doing? <laughs> Ryan likes pronouncing my name like my fourth grade Spanish teacher for some reason. I, I think it makes you sound more like a Transformer or like a superhero. Clifton. Okay. I'll take the Transformer check if anybody wants that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we have a lot to talk about here. And let's start out by reading an email. This one comes in from Mark Fay. This one's spicy. Oh. So spicy. Yeah, Mark was a little fired Mark, Mark says, I always enjoy the lounge episodes and other Ravens content. Late for work, final drive, news and notes. Hey, Cliff, you write news and notes a lot of times. My man. Hey, <laughs> final drive for Garrett. There's nothing on here that I do. What the hell? Uh, he says, but I will stop listening and reading if I hear or see one more episode about the players from last year who left. Get over it already. The Ravens have lots of new talent. Focus on that. I'm going to blame this on Garrett because this came in the yeah. morning after the final drive about Wink Martindale's reaction to losing those guys. So I'll, I'll, take, I'll take this. I'll take yeah. this one on go the chin. I mean, I think Mark was definitely a little fired up about that. But in my defense, it's the first time we heard from Wink since some of those moves. And his point was, yes, those are tough losses, but I'm also fired up about the new guys and the young guys and all the opportunities we have in front of us. So I was trying to take that spin, not just focus on – how are we ever going to replace these players? Yeah. Here's what I think is unique about the situation. I mean, obviously, uh, Terrell Suggs is a legend. Here you Potential go. Hall of Famer. Here's the funny part. Mark says, don't talk about these guys that are going to bed left. Mink's going to go into a long <laughs> thing here about the guys that left. Exactly. Take this, Mark. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, obviously, Suggs is a legend. Mosley, really good. They were just so shocking that I think, like, that's why people have talked about it for so long. But here's what I don't get is people talk about Eric Weddle, and I agree, like, losing Eric Weddle, he's a fan favorite, and, you know, releasing him was uh, – you know, surprising to a lot of people. But we signed Earl Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Let's not pretend like like it was – I think the Ravens feel like it was an upgrade at the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why they made the moves they did. So, like, let's not forget about that. We got a six-time pro bowler in Earl Thomas. Yeah. I mean, look, nuance oftentimes gets lost in the conversation. I think that Weddle's much different than the other guys because that was a cut. I mean, right. the Ravens made that decision. Exactly. They, so I think the Ravens expected CJ and Suggs to be back. Yeah. Anyway, enough talk about guys that left. <laughs> Let's talk about the guys that are here. That's where we want to put our yeah. focus right. uh, because I liked what I saw during the offseason workouts, during minicamp. Um, let's start with that. Yeah, well, I think really what to, to kick this off, 
we went into OTAs and minicamp, and everybody was talking about Lamar Jackson and what's he going to look like? How's his throwing going to look? Uh, Cliff, why don't you kick it off? How'd you think Lamar did? I think he looks better as a thrower than the end of last year, no question. I think his fundamentals are more solid. I think um, he's still searching for more consistency. I think that's the biggest challenge for him, uh, kind of narrowing the uh, number of throws that really you wonder where they came from. He has to reduce those from last year. And to me, you're not really going to know the story until Sundays because you can work on fundamentals all you want. When the lights are on, do you then revert to what you always did or do the new fundamentals kick in? I love the work that you see him doing away from the team with James Urban. I think a lot of the drills you see him doing make a lot of sense, whether it's ball protection, moving around in the pocket, buying time. But we're really not going to know until the game start how much different Lamar is. But one thing about him, you know how hard he works. I like the way his upper body, he looks stronger. Mm-hmm. He's carrying himself with an air of confidence, which I like too. I mean, Actually, Yana talked about that just yeah, in the huddle. Yeah, I mean – Lamar is an interesting guy in that he's confident, yet uh, not with the big head. Very it's, humble. Yeah, it's it's um, he's comfortable with being who he is. So, yeah, I think that guys still gravitate to him. I love hearing players who haven't seen him before, like Earl Thomas, talk about their first impressions of him, how he's just a super, super athlete. So, I think there are way more positives with Lamar than negatives, and I think the first look was a good look. Garrett, hit me. Yeah, I think that here's the way I've always looked at Lamar's passing game. What he needs to do to improve from last year is you got to hit the layups. Like, there were some layups last year Wait, that he missed. didn't you steal this straight from Cliff? This is what he always talks about. Well, yeah, but he didn't say it, so I'm, Cliff, Cliff <laughs> left it out. Cliff left it out. You, you forgot your line, man. Sorry, baby. Pick me up. Pick me up. Keep going, I didn't, yeah. make, I didn't make the layup. Like, yeah, you didn't, you didn't make, make the layup. layup. It was right there for you, Cliff. So, so you got to hit the layups, and I, I think that he is doing a better job of that. And then the other thing is, is if, if he would have, say, three to five throws a game that were like, where? what was that? Like, that was ugly. Mm-hmm. Make that now one to three. If you cut down from three to five, and now you yeah. have one to three. And then the other thing, and this is what we haven't seen yet. To me, this is still kind of one of the big questions with the passing game. What we haven't seen yet is the big play. And the reason we haven't seen the big play is because the big play guy hasn't been on the field, and that's Hollywood Brown. And so that's going to have to wait until training camp. I also feel like it's hard to gauge truly where this offense is at this point because they are not during practice. The running game is not a factor at all. Even if they are doing some running plays, it's not real. There's no pads. There's no full contact. And the running game is going to be, what, 65% of this offense, 70% of this offense? Right. So if if 70% of the offense is removed and all you're focusing is on the 30%, then it's hard to get a real testament to where this offense is right now. So, look, I, I thought that I said it uh, when we did our takeaways this week. The final practice of minicamp was probably the best day that Lamar had of the entire offseason. He was sharp, good touch on the football, carved up the defense in a red zone drill during a passing seven-on-seven drill. So I think there's a lot to like, but you, it's just hard to really assess where the offense is when you don't have the running game as part of the equation. Yeah, I'll be quick. Uh, I think Lamar has made a lot of improvements from last year. I always go back to this. The first time we went out for rookie minicamp, last year after he was drafted, there were some straight ducks out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looked like a 
a game of duck hunt yeah. out there. And uh, and now it does not look like that. I think that he's made big strides in his mechanics. He just – the ball comes out of his hand cleaner. There's still some wobble and whatnot occasionally. But to be honest, like I, from OTAs even to minicamp, that's not a long period of time, a month, working with James Urban intently and all that. I thought that improved. I mm-hmm. thought the ball was just cleaner. And at the end of the day – is the ball getting to where it needs to be on time? That's what's most important. That's all that matters. If it has a little, you know, Peyton Manning, he had a wobble in his pass. He did it all right in his career. Right. Uh, so, and I, I think oftentimes it did. Like, for a long time, Lamar didn't throw a pick in OTAs that I saw. He had one really rough day in minicamp where he threw, like, three in red zone drills, then rebounded and threw five touchdowns of five different guys in the red zone, same drill, a yeah. day later. So, you know, I think that Lamar has definitely made improvement as a passer. He's never going to be a Drew Brees passer. He's never going to be a Peyton Manning, even though his ball looks like that sometimes. That's just not going to be Lamar. But those guys can't run like Lamar either. Well, so right. so as long as Lamar is, to me, reaches the point where he's a solid passer, that's going to be good. And <laughs> he's going to be a really good quarter. He just can't be a bad passer. Right. Uh, right, and, and I, I think what's interesting with his offense is it, it looks to me like they want to do a ton of quick strike stuff. You know, they want to throw the ball to the tight ends in a hurry. Obviously, the RPO is a huge piece of this, but I just think they're going to be getting the ball out of their hand, out of Lamar's hands quickly. And I think that he is pretty good in the middle of the field when you're getting the ball to a tight end right over the middle of the field. Yep. I think that is where he has done has shined at times. Yep. Uh, so they're going to be doing a ton of that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, w- and when he's on the move, I think he's still. Oh yeah, that has to change. Throws. Well, I like yep. it when he does kind of a pump fake and then rolls and then throws it deep from there. Like he hit, I forget who it was, maybe Jaleel Scott on one of those where he did the old pump fake roll out and that I think is when he's just playing that's yep. when he's at his best uh, yeah I agreed all right so let's move on so let's talk about uh we want to identify each of us got a chance to do this one player on offense and one player on defense that stood out to you most and Garrett you start off I'll start on offense Mark Andrews Mark Andrews is a stud he shined during his rookie season, and then he just took it to another level throughout the entire offseason workouts. He seems to have great chemistry with Lamar. I mean, I loved what he did during the final day of minicamp. He was talking trash to Deshaun Elliott, Kenny Young, Matthew Judon. He was taking off the entire defense. It looked like he was about to fight Matthew Judon. <laughs> I mean, he ticked off the entire defense. He caught some touchdowns. This dude can go up and make plays. He's going to be... How many guys on the team are better than Mark Andrews? Like, he's one of the... I think he's going to be one of the best players on the team this year. Wow. Not just not just a good tight end. I think he's going to be one of the best players on the team this year. And the Ravens got a seal with him in the third round. So I'll give a shout-out to uh, Tom Valente in our PR department. Yeah. He already is fitting that guy for a green jacket. Green jacket? He's going to win the Masters? Oh, wait. Gold jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Gold jacket. Tiger Woods, baby. <laughs> he, might, he might be good at golf, too. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen him play. Uh, for a gold jacket, he compares him to Jason Witten. He's, he, like, and I don't think that's a terrible comparison. Mm-hmm. Both are, are good route runners. I mean, that's really Mark Andrews' strong suit. I don't think he's quite doesn't have quite the feel for the game, obviously, that Witten did. But he's definitely faster than Witten. Yeah. Uh, I think he could become that. I, I really like Mark Andrews a lot, too. I think, what round are you going to take him in fantasy football this year? I might have to take him one round before you. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think he would be a good fantasy football <laughs> pick. A really good fantasy <laughs> All right, player. so who's your defensive guy? All right, I'll be quick on this. I think Peanut, Patrick Owasso. Uh, and what stands out to me with Peanut is not necessarily what I've seen on the field because – 
you know, I don't think the inside linebackers making a ton of plays during offseason practices without the pads and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But this dude has really grown. I think from a personality standpoint, he's comfortable leading the defense in the middle of the huddle with Mosley gone. Peanuts, the guy that's now wearing the headset and directing traffic there in the middle. And like the, even this is a small thing, but like he used to be, he used to hate doing the media stuff. He yep. didn't feel comfortable doing it. Now he goes up there. He's very comfortable. He's, he, he just feels like a guy who has grown tremendously. He's comfortable in his own skin. He's very comfortable in his own skin. He's just grown tremendously, I think, off the field um, as much as on the field. And and that's what this defense needs. They need somebody, They need some new leaders. They need, need new leadership. And Peanut seems like he's the guy that's ready to do that. I thought it was interesting that he also said he still talks to C.J. Mosley a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good move uh, to talk to a guy who you're trying to emulate in that role being the leader of the center of that defense. I think is a great way for him to learn and accelerate that process. It's not his natural personality to be the loudest voice in the room, but with Suggs gone, with Mosley gone, with Weddle gone, other guys who might not have done it before are going to have to, and he seems really to have taken to that. Well, some guys have told him, like, you're going to need to be more vocal. I think CJ was one guy that told him what Earl Thomas, when Earl Thomas first arrived here, he sat down with Peanut and said, hey, you might need to be a little bit more vocal. And, like, Peanut took that advice to heart, and he's doing it. But it seems, like, some guys try to be more vocal, and it seems forced or it seems fake. I don't think that's the case with Peanut. I just think it's it's a natural progression of a guy that was undrafted, that was fighting to make the team, and now he's the starting linebacker in the middle of the defense, and he's become a new leader of the group. Yeah, totally agree. All right, Cliff, hit us with your offensive guy and defensive guy. Offense, I'm going with Gus the Bus Edwards. I like uh, Bus, baby. <laughs> one, I love the way he looks. He's a little leaner. Certainly hasn't <laughs> lost his power, I don't think, but he looks great. Like, he's ready to go week one right now. <laughs> also, like, like the way he's worked on being a receiver. I'm not thinking Gus Edwards is going to catch 50 balls next year, but yeah. he's caught everything thrown to him totally. during, during these workouts, and it's obvious he's worked at it. So Gus, I think, has taken the challenge of, okay, you guys brought in Mark Ingram. I understand why you wanted a veteran back, but I still want to be a big part of this offense. So I think he's done a great job with that. Defensively, my guy's Jimmy Smith. Uh, first of all, it's just great to see Jimmy out here healthy. Uh, there was a lot of talk he wouldn't even be with the Ravens uh, this season. So to have him out there with the cornerback group they have, I think he's going to have a heck of a season. I think he's really changed a lot. He's talked about his diet how he's a lot more serious about taking care of his body. Once he came back last year from missing the first few games, he didn't miss a game. We all know when Jimmy Smith plays, his performance is not a problem. And I think that he's really wants to show people that he's still an elite corner. We know that Marlon Humphrey looks like he's on the verge of stardom. If Jimmy Smith is going to be a guy on the other side with Brandon Carr, then you got Tavon's and Nickelback. Just talk about the Ravens having the best corner group in the NFL. I think it would be true, and Jimmy's a big part of that, and I just think it's really good to see him looking so good, being healthy as part of that group. Can well, I just Jimmy, say, Jimmy I'm was glad. also coming off the Achilles last year. Let's not forget about that. Oh, yeah. So It was a shock that he was even on the field during this time last year, if yeah. you remember. People were like, wait, didn't you just tear your Achilles? How right. are you back out here five months later? It really feels like this is the year, finally, in what, year nine, I think it is for him, that he could put everything together. Yeah. Can I just say that when everybody was ready to cut Jimmy Smith this offseason, most importantly, Ryan Mink. No. <laughs> no, I was not. Mink ready. Oh, he's going to make 15. He's going to make $15 million. That's not worth it. You got to get rid of him. Look, I, I don't think that Jimmy's, he's paid like the second best corner in the NFL. Is Jimmy Smith right now the second best corner in the NFL? 
So Mink once again trying to cut him. I was always I was over there standing on the table saying, I don't like the idea of getting rid of this guy because it's hard to find good corners. He obviously is that. Definitely. And and you need a good complement of guys there. Guys get hurt, and we have seen too many times when players get hurt in the secondary, what happens to this defense, particularly him. Like yeah. Over the past nine years since he's been here, many times the defense has been the defense with Jimmy Smith and the defense without it. Well, I want him on the team. And he, to me, like you're saying, is going to be in line for a great year. So I'm really glad that the Ravens found a way to keep this guy. I agree. They're, they're strongest, obviously, when they can rotate those three guys. I mean, the, the crazy part of it is you have three bona fide legit starters at corner. No question. Any Tavon, one of the, and Tavon, and is, Tavon is a starting slot guy. No right. Question. I mean, Brandon Carr, Marlon Humphrey, or Jimmy would no doubt be starting for any other team. Yep. All three of them. So it's just odd to me that, like, when I watch practice and you're watching minicamp, and here's Marlon Humphrey running with the second team defense. Mm -hmm. You're like, what in the world? What kind of universe are we in here? Marlon Humphrey was named the team MVP last year, and he's running with the second team. Uh So that's the only reason. Like, if it came down to dollars and cents and you're really tight against the cap. Right, but... The Ravens didn't have to make a move. I'm glad they didn't have to. You're obviously better with Jimmy, so it's great. All right, uh, my two guys, I'm going a little more under the radar. You know, you guys just take the easy, big name. <laughs> I, the intrepid reporter, really watches. It's like the big, it's the big. He set a Ravens franchise record for rookie tight ends right. last year. Yeah, yeah this, right. it was previously set by Max. Has yeah, a yeah, exactly. The boss. Right. Max Williams previously had that record. That's not like the act like this was some long-standing, <laughs> impressive record that Mark Andrews All right, question. all right, so quit flapping your gums. Here's my guys. On offense, I'm going Jaleel Scott. Didn't mm. even see the field last year. He's come out a, a, a big-time draft pick who I think was more of a de- developmental guy as For a sure. fourth-rounder last year. They knew he was a late bloomer in college. They knew it was going to take a little time. He essentially got a red shirt year, and he's coming out and looked a lot better. I mean... He still has a little ground to make up, I think, in getting in and out of his breaks quicker. That's never going to be a strong suit just because of how big he is, how Mm -hmm. tall he is. But what he's doing is maximizing what he brings to the table, and that's going up and plucking balls away from defensive backs, especially in the red zone, especially in the end zone. Uh, So a lot of strong hands catches from him. I've just been impressed. When you talk about the deep game, passing game, he's been probably the best guy in terms of making big plays out there on the field. Uh, defensively, another second-year player who didn't see the field last year, and that's Deshaun Elliott, the joker <laughs> at safety. I'm telling you, I think the Ravens were content going into this year with Tony Jefferson and Deshaun Elliott as their number one. Deshaun slash Chuck Clark uh-huh. as their safeties. And then when C.J. Mosley fell through and signed with the Jets, then they pivoted and they signed Earl Thomas, and that thus bumped Deshaun into a more of a backup role. Right. But he was in line, I think. I think they had enough confidence in him to make him a potential center field starter on this defense. And he's shown that he would have been capable in OTAs and minicamp had the Ravens not signed Earl Thomas. So let me ask a question. Is there a way that we find that the Ravens find a way to get Earl Thomas, Tony Jefferson, and Deshaun Elliott on the field at the same time? I mean, Anthony Levine sometimes Usually play is that guy. Is that right. guy but, like, you know, sure, I wouldn't rule it out. Wouldn't rule it out. And also, I think that the beauty of this is that I think the Ravens, for sure, should be a defense that gets more takeaways this year. I mean, Elliott's a ball hawk. We know Earl Thomas is a ball hawk. I think that the more times you can have guys like that who that's their DNA to create turnovers, then that leads you to a defense that can make bigger plays. And as good as the Ravens were last year, being the number one ranked defense, yep. getting takeaways was not a strength. 
Yep. And I think this year it could be because they just have guys like Elliott, like Thomas, who naturally that's what they look to do. So I think it could be hard to get all three of those guys with TJ on the field a lot. But I do like the fact that even if somebody gets hurt, you're never going to have a secondary unit out there where a quarterback looks at the Ravens defense and says, oh, I'm going right here. Like, who do you throw to? Who do you? It's true. Who's your matchup? Who are you trying to pick on if you're a quarterback playing the Ravens this year? I mean, there's no, like, weak link right. if, if they're all healthy. That has really not always been the case here, and I, I think that's going to be a big difference. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Tony Jefferson will probably play a little closer to the line of scrimmage this yeah. year, and I think especially in passing downs, they could drop him closer to the box and have him try to lock up the tight end over the middle of the field or whatnot and then have Deshaun back there as another center fielder uh, with Earl Thomas. So I think they'll find ways to get the joker on the field, and I'm still shocked that this guy lasted till day three. You look at his college stats, he's kind of like Justin Tucker. You know, mm-hmm. Justin Tucker was making that joke. Oh, where'd you find Justin Tucker, a hidden gem? I was playing at Texas, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Have you yeah. ever heard of Texas? <laughs> yeah. Playing for 100,000 fans. Right. And that, that huge dick against Texas A&M or right, Texas Exactly, Tech, right. yeah. Right. Uh, Texas A&M, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, here's Deshaun Elliott playing at Texas, making plays all over the field. The guy was a turnover machine in college and somehow lasts till day three. It's beyond me, but uh, he looks really good. All right, so a, a lot of attention has also just been on What's this offense going to look like? Greg Roman's in his first year as coordinator. The Ravens obviously have a very unique offense with Lamar Jackson. Uh, so what is your impression? What do you still expect from this offense? Cliff, go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, obviously running, you can't get away from it. That they're gonna, That's going to be their bread and butter, I think. I think what I'm most curious about is how game plan centric is this offense going to be from week to week. When you talk to Greg Roman, it seems like he's thinking of, a million possibilities for things that they could do. Uh, we haven't even mentioned Trace McSorley, who a guy who <laughs> might be like Lamar kind of was last year at the beginning when Joe was starting as a guy you put in a quarterback who might run it, who might throw it. You can do he, some. He's looked good too. Yes, I think he Trace has. has looked pretty strong. I think so. So are they going to be one week uh, a team that, you know, where you see Lamar only run it two or three times and they do other things. And then another week, you know, he's running it 12 times or, Mark Ingram was getting it 15 times one week, four weeks uh, next. You don't know. I think the tight ends uh, are going to be a huge part of this offense, though, no matter how it shakes out. We already talked about how good Mark a- Andrews has looked. You know, they also have Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle. And, and I think Garrett will probably hate this comment, but I think Hayden Hurst looked pretty good, too, plucking some balls over the middle of the field. I was just too infatuated with Mark Andrews doing that all over the field. <laughs> true. <laughs> so true. No, I think with the three tight ends they have, they want to be a team where – where they line up with one, two, or three of them, you still don't know if they're going to run it, throw it, and exactly what they're going to do. So the diversity is great, but at some point you have to establish what you really do well and not get too caught up into trying to trick people or out-scheme people. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really going to be interesting to see what they do with all these weapons. Yeah. I really want to know what the role is going to be for Hollywood Brown because – we haven't obviously seen him on the field. We know he can go deep, but I don't think that the Ravens got him just to send him on fly routes. Like, that's kind of what, what we were talking about this earlier today off off uh, before we started the podcast, but that's basically what John Brown was last year. He was basically mm-hmm. the go-deep guy. I think that Hollywood brings the ability to 
adds so much more underneath from a screen pass standpoint. Are they going to use him in that just role? Shallow crossers. Things shallow like crossers, that. drag routes across the middle. Like, can they get him the ball? They want to get him the ball in space and let him go fly. Yeah. Um, I think about what the Steelers did with Antonio Brown. He, they could get seven yards, it seemed like, anytime they wanted, but I just throw it out there to Antonio Brown. He would put a move on and get seven yards. That is what I think. If they can do that with Hollywood, that completely changes this offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this offense is really going to be based off of the run game sets things up for the big play, right? I mean, you just have to be able to hit that big play. So you have, you're have you going to suck up the safeties. They're going to do a, a variety of different things to do that with short passes, screens, things like that. And then you're going to have to beat them over the top. And the question is, are you going to be able to beat them over the top? So, so this offense is going to pound the rock. There's yeah, no sure. <laughs> doubt sure. about that. I mean, we, we haven't talked a lot about Mark Ingram, but if we're talking fantasy football, I'm taking Mark Ingram before I'm taking Mark Andrews. Yeah. Because he's going to be a stud. Yeah. So anybody in my fantasy football leagues, let's ignore that comment. Um, <laughs> but they're going to they're gonna pound it with he and Gus. And then I think it's, it's a matter, it's still a matter of whether Lamar then can beat people with his arm. Like I said, he has to be a good, okay to good passer. Can he do that? And can the wide receivers do that? That's the question because they're going to be able to hit the tight ends short. They're going to be able to hit, you know, all the running game. The running backs, I think, are going to catch a fair amount of balls. It's can they hit those wide receivers and make people pay when those safeties come forward? Because the Chargers slowed them down when yeah. they did that. What's the what's the average passing yards per game that is a sweet spot for Lamar? Two Hondo. If you if if he throws for two hundred yards a game and then say runs for 50. And doesn't make mistakes. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, cuts, I mean, obviously cuts down, cuts down on the fumbles, isn't yeah. throwing interceptions. She did a pretty good job of that throwing picks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. then they probably win. Right. Because then he probably runs for 50 yards, and then you probably have Ingram, Gus, that combined for 150 between the two of them. Yeah, so completely. Yeah. You've got to have some home runs, though. You've got. We saw how John Brown really disappeared from the offense late last season. They brought in Hollywood, like you were saying, Garrett, for big plays. I mean – whether he produces four, eight, twelve, this year, whatever, they need big play element out of him and others too. I mean, because if you just have all these 12, 15 yard drives, a lot of times they end up with field goals. Yeah. A lot of times you're doing fine, then one mistake, big penalty, fumble, drives killed. Mm-hmm. That's what kept them from me from being an elite offense. They had an elite running offense last year, mm-hmm. but if they have some big plays, mixed in with the running game, then they can become an elite offense. So whether it's Hollywood, which he's the most likely candidate, they also drafted Hill out of the backfield to try and produce some big plays. They need every once in a while, once or twice a game, boom, boom, touchdown. Yep. If they can do that, then to me, they're really hard to deal with. If not, then, you know, you're going to be looking at these fourth quarters. You're sitting there. They're down three. They're up three. Who's going to win? And oh, we're definitely those- going to be looking at that either way. That's just how it works. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's how it works. But what's wrong with, like, quick striking and having a 14-point oh, lead? I agree. Forward? I agree. I agree. All right, so a lot of tension, obviously, on the D, and we don't want to get into the people who we lost again because we're going to get another nasty Yeah, Mark, email. Mark's going to get fired up again. But, exactly. But uh, the question, I think, you know, the big question is, will this number one defense take a step back? And I'm, I'm going to take this one off the top here. And uh, I don't think so. I really don't think so, and, and here's the thing. I thought Wink's comments on this were interesting. You know, Terrell Suggs, because of who he is, was a shock, right? But if you, don't, if you take yourself out of the sentimentality of the whole thing and you look at it from a football perspective, Terrell Suggs is a great player. He brings a lot to the table, 
But there ain't no question that he's on about the 16th hole. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And he was not super effective down the stretch last year in the second half of the season. I honestly think that from a football perspective, the guys that you have replacing him and Tim Williams and Tyus Bowser, who have taken a lot of criticism for guys who haven't even really gotten an opportunity because of who's been in front of them, I think from a football perspective, you might be better off. You might be. Mm -hmm. Wink Martindale literally said, the biggest thing that we lost with those guys, Sorrell Suggs and CJ leaving, was the communication. Yeah. He did not point to the sack production, the tackle production, those things. He said communication. But that is an important... That is. That is an important piece. That that definitely is, and and I'm not trying to downplay that. I think they've been good communicating from what I hear. You know, everybody's talking. We just got done talking about how Peanut's doing more of it. But I I think from a front seven perspective, you might not be as bad off as people are making it seem. No, I agree. And you upgraded because you lost C.J. Mosley. You upgraded in the back end. Right. You got Earl Thomas. So I think the defense, from an X's and O's standpoint, like you were saying, Cliff, might will probably make more plays, and I think they might just be just as strong. Defense, no question, they're younger and faster. I don't think there's any question that they could be more of a playmaking defense. But in particularly in key situations and late in the season, will you miss the smarts and experience that guys like Weddle, Mosley, Suggs that – even if they're not making the play, can help others make the play. Whether they were in a big situation, can you rise to the occasion the way Suggs could? To me, for the last four or five years, he's a guy who you may not hear from for a couple of quarters. But it seems like a lot of times in big situations, that's where you hear from him. That's C.J. Mosley sealed the AFC North title. That too. That's not a coincidence. Um, In situations like that, you know, the great ones figure out a way to to make a play. And now with so many new faces, we know Earl Thomas has been that type of guy with Seattle, but with so many new faces, you know, the door is wide open for the, for Tim Williams, you know, Tyus Bowser. You go on and on about guys who have an opportunity now, Shane Ray, to be, to help Judon with the pass rush. Somebody's got to step up and do it, though. Because with the secondary, as good as it is, if there's no pass rush, that's tough. If there is one, then yeah, it doesn't. Suggs, like you said, he's, he won the Terrell Suggs of his prime. So one of these other guys, the opportunity is there to, to actually have more of an impact. But let's see if they can do it. Well, there's no, and there's no denying that the Ravens still did want to add more pass rushers to this defense. They went after Ezekiel Ansah, reportedly after Ezekiel Ansah and Jeremy. Obviously, not reportedly, <laughs> yeah. Gerald McCoy. Uh, so <laughs> there's no doubt that they still feel like we could boost the pass rush. Right. Uh, all right, next question. What's your biggest concern at this point? Mine is the offensive line. Uh, we haven't seen, again, as I've said, you can't really get an assessment of the offensive line because they're not hitting, they're not in pads, but it's the same offensive line as last year. Um, Jermaine Illuminar has been taking the reps at, as a starting left guard throughout the offseason program. James Hurst has been a bit of, bit of a rover. He was working at right guard before Marshall Yonda came back. Um, and then when Yonda was back, it was Illuminar getting most of the reps. And Hurst's second guard. team right Yeah. Tackle. Now, I think if the if the Ravens were to play a game today, Hurst would probably be the starting left guard because he mm-hmm. played there last year. And Scourge are starting center. But those guys got beat up a little bit, to be honest, in the playoff game against the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers controlled the line of scrimmage in that game. So... 
They didn't really make any changes on the offensive line. They added Ben Powers as a mid-round draft pick, but Powers is not working at this point with the starting offensive line. So we'll see if he ends up moving into the starting lineup at some point this year. Right now, that seems to be a long ways off. So I'm just a little bit concerned about where this offensive line stands. Are they going to be able to run the ball when teams know that Lamar is going to be the quarterback quarterback, and this is going to be a run-heavy offense? Like That, to me, is the biggest question on offense because I think... Um, uh, I, I just think that there's still questions there about whether they can pass protect it's, and whether they can pave the way. This is a case of the playoff game haunting your nightmares because the offensive line was pretty darn good right. the second half of last season. No team in the NFL even remotely came close to running the ball as effectively no, as I agree. the Ravens did. So really, when you look at the, but, but, the collective, but, uh, when you look at the whole, the offensive line was darn good last But how year. was the offensive line running the ball before Lamar Jackson came in and took over as quarterback? Not great. Not good. Lamar Jackson's the quarterback, so that no, I, is, I know, but but moot. but no, it isn't moot because defenses now understand what a little bit more of what this offense is going to look like. I think there was an element of they surprise built it from the ground up, Garrett. I think that once there was an element of surprise that once Lamar took over last year, that defenses had to adjust to. And I'm not, I'm not saying that the Chargers cracked the code. I'm not going that far, but I do think that teams are going to be better prepared for Lamar Jackson as the starting quarterback than they were when he first took over last year. No question about it. Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to clear. If, if this team can't run the ball because they it's can't it, clear the way up front, then it's not going to be a good offense and it's not going to be a good team. Very true. All right. This is a pessimistic question. <laughs> so I, I don't want to hate on you too much. Cliff? Yeah, I already kind of mentioned the pass rush is my biggest concern. Um, first of all, the pass rush is so important because if you have one, it covers up so many deficiencies. And gives all quarterbacks problems. If you don't have a pass rush, even as good as the secondary is, it's just hard to keep some of these top receivers and top quarterbacks from finding a connection. So, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of candidates between Shane Ray and Jalen Ferguson. We haven't mentioned him. They drafted him. Mm -hmm. Who they want to step up to help Matthew Judon with the pass rush. But opponents may decide, look, we're not going to let Matthew Judon beat us. And they can do that, I think, easily, more easily this year without Suggs and Zaria Smith being around. Mm-hmm. If you double-team Judon, who's going to pick up the slack? And will then Wink have to call more blitzes, which could leave things vulnerable elsewhere. So mm-hmm. the pass rush would be my biggest concern. I feel that they can get one, but you're asking a lot of guys who haven't put up numbers. We know Ferguson did it in college, but a lot of guys who haven't put up Numbers in a couple of years. Shane Ray, since he's been hurt, hasn't put up the numbers. Who's going to step up and fill that void? Okay, legit. Uh, mine is with the passing game and and at wide receiver. Kind of to your point, Garrett. If they can't run the ball, the offense not going to be is not going to be good. Right. If you can't throw it, it's also going to be tough. If you if the, this offense is super one dimensional, it's going to be tough to win games. And I mean, I, like I said at the top, I think Lamar has made improvements. I think the pa- he is improving as a passer. But at the end, at the end of the day, you look at it, and your your wide receiver, your starting wide receivers are Willie Sneed, Chris Moore, and Marquise Brown's probably your number three. Those are your top three guys. And Marquise Brown, we're not really, you know, he's still got lingering health concerns right. uh, coming off the list, Frank. So if if you're not able to scare anybody over the top, like I mentioned, uh, with your speed that you added, you know, Miles Boykin is a third round pick, 
We'll see what we get out of him as a What about as your a boy rookie? Jaleel Scott? He was your most impressive player of the offseason, man. Yeah. yeah you got to give him some love we here. We got to get in training camp and in games. He hasn't done it in games yet. We're saying he's the best impressive. player of the offseason. He's the best. He was <laughs> OTAs of minicamp. Wait a little bit here, Cliff. Eight games. Eight I'm standing tall with no arms. With no arms. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I I still think that the passing game has to prove itself. These wide receivers have to prove themselves. Uh, and it, and if you can't back up those safeties and whatnot, it could be a long long year. Uh, so that's what they have to prove. All right, we're finished on this one because we're getting a little long. That's not out here. All right, long winded here. <laughs> All right, and we'll po- end on a positive note. What are you least concerned about? Well, I'll be quick on this because we just spent a good amount of time talking about it, and, and you guys kind of hammered it home. I'm really not worried about the defense. Like, when you see, it just stood out to me. When the defense and the, all the starters get back out there during mandatory minicamp, and Judon's there, and Tony Jefferson's there, and Earl Thomas is out there, like, this is still a really, really good defense. I'm just not that concerned about it. Maybe they go, they were number one last year. Maybe they go, if they go from one to, let's just say, seven. Like, that's a... You know, that's a somewhat I'd be steep. surprised by that big a drop. Right. That's a somewhat yeah. steep right. drop. Right. You're still a top ten defense and, and, and I think that like if even if you fall back that far and maybe the turnovers increase, you're just as just as fine as you were last year, potentially. Mm-hmm. And you should have an offense that is a ball control offense. I think this defense is gonna be great. I'm not worried about it at all. Okay. Yeah, I'm not worried about them running the football. Uh, you know, obviously bringing in Mark Ingram I think is huge. We talked about Gus, how he looks. You've got Kenneth Dixon's name didn't come up. Justice Hill. Jim Hill. And then, of course, Lamar. I mean, so to me, they've got five backs. They'll all be fresh all the time. I understand your concern, Gary, about the offensive line, but with the diversity, I think that Greg Roman, that's his specialty, the running game. I think they're going to have plenty of run schemes to keep offenses off balance, unlike the Charger game in the playoffs. I think they'll be able to hang their hat on that running game. And I'm going to go with the easy one here, and that's the secondary. I think the Ravens have the best secondary in the NFL when you look at just the starters, and they might have the deepest secondary in the NFL. I mean, you can sustain injuries. Knock on wood. Oh, crap, my arms. (laughs) There we go. Uh, Knock on wood, we don't have any injuries. But even if you do have one, I think you're in pretty good shape. I mean, at corner, at safety, both spots, I mean – this secondary should be really, really good. I like you said, Cliff. I don't know who they pick on. I I don't know a uh, a why. I know the Browns have some really good wide receivers this year. It's going to be a good battle out there seeing them against the Ravens' corners and safeties. You're going to have. I know we're going to probably do a 53 man roster prediction before yes. we get into training camp. Yes. R- the early roster prediction in a future podcast. A little tease there, mm-hmm. but you're going to have some really interesting position battles at cor- in the secondary because you're going to have like a guy like Maurice Canada, who's played a lot of football here over the past few years. Is he on the team? Is he not? Justin Bethel, a guy that you signed, you would think that he's on the team from a special team standpoint, but that's a crowded group. Like, yep. so we'll get to that. It's a little tease. Yeah. Well, that's it for us today. Thanks for listening. And uh, the rookies are still in town, so we're going to try to track down one of them for uh, next week's episode. No promises, but we'll try. Uh, but as always, you can reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Thank you very much to Clifton for joining <laughs> us today. And we'll be back with you next week. 